Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, August 11, 2013. My name is Leah, and I'm your moderator for this morning. This morning, A Vision for You welcomes Rose Marie. Rose Marie is a recovered compulsive overeater from Crestwood, Illinois. She is a loyal servant of Overeaters Anonymous and is dedicated to working with other compulsive overeaters carrying the message of hope that there is a way out, there is a solution. Here to speak with us this morning on steps one, two, and three is Rosemarie. Good morning to you, Rosemarie. Star one to unmute. Star one to unmute, Rosemarie. I think he said I'm unmuted. That means I can start? Correct. Welcome to you, Rosemarie. Welcome. Thank you, Leah. Thank you so much for asking me. Can you hear me all right? Because I have a little phone thing here. Perfectly. The voice is okay? Yes. Okay, great. Um, Shall we start? Yes. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Rosemarie, and I'm a food addict, a.k.a. compulsive overeater, and I'm so delighted to be here today so that we could get together just like we're all in the same room. Actually, we're not, but I think we're all in the same boat. (laughs) So that's okay. Um, Let's see. I'll give you my stats. Our our co-founder, Roseanne, says that we should always give our stats whenever we share or we speak because um, that will give hope to someone else and it will also remind me to be grateful. Um, My name is Rosemarie. I'm from the village of Crestwood, Illinois. My home group is Burbank, Illinois. Uh, My inner group is Chicago Suburban Southwest. Uh, let's see. I came into Overeaters Anonymous for my very first meeting totally clueless, knowing nothing about steps or OA. I came in on September 19th of 1985, and by the grace of God, who is my higher power, and I really mean the grace, I've been abstaining a day at a time, a meal at a time since that day, so my abstinence uh, is of 27 years, 10 months, and 22 days. And yes, I count every day as a blessing, and it is. Um, I've got about a 60-pound weight loss, and that would never impress me, except what impressed me when I came in was the time that people kept that weight lost, and this weight has been lost for over 26 and a half years. And so far, I haven't found it, and of course, I don't intend to look for it, because <laughs> uh, I know where I can find it. I just don't want to go there. And for today, with God's grace, and you're going to hear a lot about God, my higher power, and you're going to hear a lot about grace, because grace is the gift. It's the free, unearned gift that God gives me every day. 
I believe he gives it to all of us. I just didn't know what to do with it up until September 19th of 1985. Let's see. Um, I'm a sweetaholic. I'm a junk food junkie. I'm a slow-learning know-it-all. And I am a child of God. And I need to tell you, um, I don't have a picture to pass around because I do have the picture, but it'd be difficult to get it around. So I'll just tell you, I'm about five foot two, and I was my highest weight without being pregnant was probably 200, around 200 pounds. And on a five foot two, not so big bone, medium bone, a little bone person, um, that 60 pounds was a lot of weight. Um, and I continued, the weight escalated as life went on. I wanted to go back, just one, I thought it was a kind of an interesting little thing. The earliest food memory I have is, I was about two. I don't think I was even two years old because I remember where we lived at that time and it was, it was under, way under three. And I remember we were very, very poor. I just had a brother who was about six years older than I am. And um, we were very poor. And I remember my mother giving my brother 25 cents and telling him to take me to the corner store to buy a box of cookies. And I remember the high that I got at age two. And I don't even want to say it was younger than that, but... I'll say two for purposes here. And what I find interesting was, and I remember, by the way, I do talk about food because I've been told that my talking about food cannot cause anyone's disease to um, activate. That if my talking about food sends you all to the refrigerator or the corner store, you would have gone anyway. You didn't need to hear me talk about food. You would have gone regardless. Uh, and I'm hoping that at least while we're here together, no one will go to the refrigerator because someone I love dearly in the program tells me she put a sign on her refrigerator and it said, no love in here. Ain't no love in here. That's what the sign said. And I found that to be true. Uh, so you have all my, oh, I'm about a size 12, 10, probably 11. And um, all of this good stuff, you know, physically, I have great physical recovery. I probably could tell you right here that my doctor loves Overeaters Anonymous because of me, because she has seen me for 30 years, or at least she's known me longer. And she just marveled at all my health reports when they come back, and they are so wonderfully healthy. The numbers are fantastic. My children say I'm healthier than they are. Uh, <laughs> and the doctor sends people, her patients, to Overeaters Anonymous and tells them how it worked for me. She did say, sadly, most of them don't want to go, many of them, because... They just want to diet. They don't want to have to do the work. Anyway, so that those are my stats. That took a long time to tell you my stats, to tell you a little bit about me. Um, I thought it would be a good thing to talk about steps one, two, and three today. And the reason 
I thought that was such a good idea was because one, two, and three are the foundation of the steps. Because without one, two, and three, I can't go on. And by the way, I'm speaking for Rosemary here, just for me, not for anybody else, not for OA, not for anyone, just me. And uh, I couldn't go on without the first step, especially, of course. But the first three, that foundation, you know, when you build a house or a building, you have to have a foundation to put it on. If I try to put the rest of the steps down without a foundation, they're going to crumble. And I want to tell you, the first step is we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Well, when I came to my first meeting, after 56 years of dieting, and gaining and losing and dieting and gaining it back and losing it. Uh, the story that many of you can tell, and that's why you're going to say, hey, she's just like me. That's right. I am just like you. <laughs> I'm a food addict. I'm a compulsive overeater. And I tried all that stuff that I thought could work, all different kinds of, oh, it'll work if I drink this and eat that and don't eat that and do that. Well, you know, any diet for me would have worked except for one thing. I kept going back to the food, couldn't stay on the diet. There's a place in the big book says, you know, we all stopped. The trick was to stay stopped. And I stopped more times than I can tell you. I couldn't stay stopped. I had what I found out, and I only found this out, it'll be almost 28 years ago, 27 years, 10 months, and 22 days ago when I came to that first meeting. And there were some steps up on the um, banner. They were written up on the wall. And I looked at the 12th step, and wherever I saw the word God, now you, you may think I'm going to say I ran like a chicken because I didn't want to hear about God. No, no, all contraire. I was a God person. I am still a God person. A little bit different relationship today that I had then. But yeah, and when I saw those steps that had God in them, being that, it, remember I told you I'm a slow learning know it all, I saw those steps and I thought, well, you know, I don't really think this place is for me. One meeting, and I hadn't been there 10 minutes. I don't think this place is really for me because I got God. I know about God. I go to church. I pray. I'm getting out of here. But I was polite. I stayed to the end of the meeting. I was very polite. And I left with the with the intention of never, ever coming back. Um, I suppose I should go back to tell you before this point. And my story is not written in a chronicle. It's not a book. So it's not an order. It's not chronological. It's however... Look, I pray a lot, and I ask my higher power to put my pride aside. Let me speak God's word as he wants it heard. So whatever you hear is going to be in the order that I get it. So when I get it, I give it to you. In growing up, I grew up 
in the, you know the very famous renowned dysfunctional family. And uh, I don't blame. I'm just using it as a point of reference. Uh, my mother was a 310-pound compulsive overeater, and um, I followed her around. And when she ate, I ate. And that was considerable amount of times every day. I was what you call a grazer, like I ate from morning till night, and it was mostly junk. I did not believe, I thought junk food was a food group. I thought sweets were a food group. I I didn't really like real food. I suspect today, if I were to go back to eating, and that is a by the grace of God, please know. But if I were to go back to eating, I know this from what the big book tells me. My eating will have escalated to a point that will blow my mind and I won't even know who I am or what has happened. Because while I've been abstaining for these 27 plus years, my my addiction has blown up. It's progressing as I remain abstinent. It progresses. So I can't tell you what I'd be eating today. And I suspected it'd be all the junk that I ate in previous years. And I believe it would make me sick in the beginning, but I think uh, eventually it would kill me because um, it's left me with some health challenges, but nothing, I mean, nothing compared to what it could have been and would have been had I continued on the path because I noticed that no matter how many diets, the weight kept escalating in between and it got worse and worse. So I know one thing. OA taught me. This is a progressive disease. You know what else? It's fatal. I don't I don't know anything more <clears throat> definitely finishing than fatal. The end. Kaput. It's done. Fatal. And before it kills me, it kills my spirit. This disease kills my spirit. Because when I'm into my addiction, which for me is food, primary, I'm not interested in working a program. I'm not interested in a relationship with a higher power. I'm not interested in carrying a message and helping my fellow sufferers. I'm too busy. I'm too busy into self. I love what the big book says, self will run riot. When they describe me, that's the wording, self will run riot. And I was self-centered in the extreme, but I didn't know it. See, one of the gifts I got from this program is awareness, and I'm going to talk to you about that in a few minutes. But I wasn't aware. I had no awareness In fact, one of the early meetings, the speaker's topic and subject was awareness. And I looked around the room and I thought, I wonder what she's talking about. What's that got to do with my eating? I was not even close (laughs) to recovery, to knowing what the problem was, let alone that the solution was in the steps. Uh Uh-uh. No. I I guess I have to tell you all this. So that if you're having a problem out there with food or with a relationship 
or with whatever, probably with yourself if you're like me. If you're an addict like I am, the biggest problem you have is with yourself. Someone told me, someone much wiser than me said, you want to know what your trouble is, Rosemary? You just look in the mirror. I didn't like him very much at that moment. (laughs) He was right. Of course he was right. I take life, and I don't know how to live it on life's terms. I ah, I want to share this with you. In the morning, I often read the four little few things, and one of them is the Four Today book. And I just had to, in case you didn't get to it yet, or even if you did, for August 11th at the bottom where it says Four Today, and it's talking about opening myself to God's will. It says, I open myself to God's will by putting out of my mind something I want but don't need and can't get. And I would add, and that's probably not good for me in the first place. So anyway, I grew up eating and dieting and got married and ate and dieted and proceeded to have five pregnancies and ate and dieted. And on September 19, 1985, I went to a meeting in a basement of a church that wasn't even the one I went to in a basement, which wasn't very, you know, wasn't chic, wasn't very cute. <laughs> and I saw these bunch of strangers. And the reason I went there, and I went for one reason, because a friend of mine met a woman who said she was in Overeaters Anonymous, and she had not only lost a lot of weight, but she kept it off for years and years. That's what got my attention. Now, if you're struggling to get an hour of abstinence right now, you're going to think that, you know, who cares about years? I'd just like an hour. I'd like a day, you know. I'm here to say there is a power greater than ourselves that can restore us to sanity. And believe me, the way I ate was not sane, not even close, not even close. But I had to admit, I came to this meeting, and they talked about admission of powerlessness, that that was the first step in liberation. And I thought, oh, my, Um, admit I'm powerless over food. Well, probably I'm not because I'm good at my diet. That must mean I'm not one of these people, one of these strangers, one of these, you know, (laughs) I didn't know I had a mental obsession and a physical allergy, and I certainly didn't think I'd ever hit a bottom. For me, what my bottom was, not the weight, although the the gaining of the weight was scaring me to death. Fear can be a great motivator for a while, but the big book says fear only kept, this guy got, you know, he was sober for a while, I guess he was scared, but then he got drunk because he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. I can't stay sober, abstinent on fear. Fear, that, that won't keep me. I had plenty of that, but it never kept me from gaining all the weight back. No. I had to have some kind of bottom. I think my bottom was that I knew I could not stop this freight train that was coming at me. 
it was too powerful for me, and I couldn't stop gaining weight, and I was scared, and I didn't know how to keep it off. When I got it off, I didn't know how. It took the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and the 12 and 12 of Alcoholics Anonymous, and that is my that's my library today, my OA library, basic, because that's what we had 28 years ago. And I am so grateful for the people who wrote it. I am so grateful to the people who wrote it because they gave us a chance. They gave us this 12 step. And yeah, the solution is in the step. So that first step, powerless, my life unmanageable. I would have told you my life was very unmanageable, except I couldn't stop eating and I couldn't stop buying bigger clothes. Other than that, and I couldn't stop screaming at my children or my husband, but my life was totally manageable. But of course, I wasn't happy, joyous, and free, but my life was totally manageable. I found out when I came to Overeaters Anonymous, I was powerless. And I had to come... Dr. Silkworth, in the doctor's opinion, he talks about a psychic change. I had to have a psychic change, not a mental change. You know, in my mind, I knew that a box of Fannie Mae's was not a great idea, you know. I knew that. I knew all that. Mentally, I knew all that. I knew that if I could somehow control my eating, then I could have a healthy weight and I wouldn't have all the health challenges and I wouldn't huff and puff when I went up five stairs. By the way, I can do them two at a time now. Um, I knew all that intellectually, but I want to tell you what I learned. I, I, I was almost too smart for this program. It's a bad idea to be too smart for this program. One of the ladies said to me, Rosemarie, you need to pray for stupidity. You have to pray for stupidity. <laughs> yeah. So I came to this, this. We admitted I was powerless. Addiction was the farthest thing from my mind. Um, I heard them say they were compulsive eaters, and I said, well, yeah, I eat compulsively. Sometimes, yeah, I eat when I'm really not hungry. I eat not when it's time. I overeat when I eat. I don't stop when maybe I think I should stop. I start when I think I shouldn't stop, like going to sleep at night. I should have gone to sleep. I thought my signal was go eat. It really was, Rosemary, go to bed and sleep, but I didn't. See, I had no awareness. I had, I was in that denial state. Don't even notice I am lying. D e n i a l. I was in such denial, and that's a bad place to be because <laughs> then it's really hard to live life on life's terms and to let the whirling dervish whirl. And I got caught up in that whirling dervish so many times. My life was unmanageable, and when I came here. I came to admit I was a compulsive reader, but it took years before I used the term food addict. I'm addicted to food. For me, for me personally, and of course I equate one with the other, compulsive overeater, food addict, I equate them as the same. But the, word, the words food addict 
help me more because I know a little bit about addiction in other areas. I read a lot, you know, seen, seen the movies, read the books, and known some people. And so I have more of an, I, I'm more acquainted, I think, with the addiction, the word addiction. And addiction, again, I don't, to me, the best definition, I don't control when I pick it up and I don't control when I put it down. I can't control when I pick it up or put it down. I have lost control. Lack of power was my dilemma. I could not stop. No control. So I think I'm I'm pretty sure I took that step verbally, but I don't know if I took it in my psyche for a while. It took a while. And by the way, uh, I don't recommend a lot of the things I'm saying to you, <laughs> but I waited a long eight months before I even considered a sponsor because, you see, when you're a slow-learning know-it-all like me, you don't need a sponsor because I was losing weight without a sponsor. Of course, I wasn't working steps. I was losing weight. Of course, I did that on every diet. I was losing weight. I thought that was the whole idea of the program. I didn't get anything about having a spiritual connection with a higher power. I didn't get that I had to be transformed and get out of myself and get into God. Less of me, more of him. All of him and none of me. I had to put me on the back burner and let that higher power prevail in my life, in every area, in all my affairs. I can tell someone that, oh, yeah, this program is all about, yeah, you lose weight, and you have a work steps, and you have a connection with the higher power. To me, the only concern I have today is to stay in conscious contact with my higher power. That's my daily concern. And um, maybe here's a time that I can tell you this. Being a long-time absent person, often I've been asked this question, and I'm sure most long-timers are asked this question, and you may have asked it of someone Maybe we can save you asking it again or not. Um, but the question is, how do you do it? How do you keep a program fresh after almost 28 years? How do you keep, what do you do? What do you do every day? Tell me what you do every day to work the program. And so I had to make notes because it's hard to remember, and I'm looking and I don't even have it all on here um, but I put, I pray and I meditate. That's immediately, immediately upon awakening. And the big book on pages 86, 87, 88, they tell me what to do on awakening and when I go to sleep. And you know, it's so simple. My dear OA friends, this program is so simple, but an addict like me wants to make it so hard. All I had to do was read those pages. On arising, when I go to sleep at night, it's all there. And I do that today. 
but it took me a long time to get to that point. Um, and I sometimes, once or twice a week, I uh, attend a chapel where I pray and meditate. Uh, I work the steps into my life on a daily basis. I honor the traditions, and when I when I see, excuse me, when I see a tradition not being honored, I have to say something. That's my responsibility. It's all our responsibilities. It's what we're told. And um, I think this is going to be of interest to um, people who are struggling to get abstinent. I plan and shop for my food. I weigh the food I'm going to eat. Yes, my dears, after 27 years plus, I still weigh my food because I have the broken eyeballs of a food addict. I cannot trust my eyes. I do not eat lookalikes, and in case some of you don't know what that is, and I'll bet every one of you does, it looks like it could be my favorite sweet, but it isn't. It may not have sugar. It might have artificial sweetener. It might have what they call natural sweetness. I avoid lookalikes because I call them pathway foods. They lead me back to the real thing. And right here I want to mention, I do not include alcohol on my food plan. No one that I sponsor has alcohol on their food plan because alcohol is a mood-altering chemical. And my moods do not need any more altering. I am a compulsive eater, and I've got plenty of altered brains I don't need my brain any more played with by adding alcohol till it explodes, till my brain explodes. I'm kind of smiling. We use the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and yet I hear some people say they drink alcohol sometimes. I find that interesting that we use the book <laughs> that tells about the dangers and all. But that's neither here nor there because that's my personal, um, some people might say it's an outside issue. For me, it is not because everyone I've ever sponsored who used alcohol, they all went out and ate again and lost their abstinence. Okay, I don't introduce old foods that I've dropped. You know how you drop some foods and then later you say, maybe I could try that again. Thanks to every one of you who have done it, I know I don't have to do it because it doesn't work. I learn from the best. I learn from my brothers and sisters in program. You've taught me a lot. You've taught it to me maybe by pain that you've undergone or by the joy and freedom you've experienced. Either way, I learn from everyone, and I'm open. I'm open. That's how it works. Honest, open, and willing. You know, that's a way I keep the program fresh. Rigorous honesty. Totally open to everything. And willing to follow direction. Um, I often pray while I'm preparing my food. And this is a little thing I started, oh, some time ago. I'm, be, I'm a basically impatient person, which means I'm a prideful person because Impatience is part of my pride. And so when I would fill my tea kettle every morning to put on to boil, in filling the tea kettle, it took 
maybe too much time for rosemary. So I thought, what if I said the serenity prayer while I'm filling the tea kettle? And guess what? The serenity prayer is just long enough for the kettle to get filled. I just thought I'd tell you that. So that works for me, and that's what I do in the morning. And I don't take a taste, a lick, or a bite. A TLB, I've heard that called TLB. I don't taste, I don't lick, and I don't bite. That means I don't do that before a meal or at any time. That's not a meal or a snack, a healthy snack. I'm a hypoglycemic, by the way. That's part of the wreckage of my past. I have hypoglycemia. And one doctor said, Rosemary, it's all that junk you ate. So my blood sugar is fine as long as I eat properly and eat the right amount of times every day to keep my level. So I do have healthy snacks, and I do have healthy meals, and my weight remains in maintenance. That is a miracle to me. That is a miracle to me. So that's some of the things. Oh, well, a couple more, I guess. I sponsor. I sponsor a lot of people. Now, I don't suggest anyone run out and sponsor the amount of people I do because I'm home. I do not have a job. I'm retired. So I don't, you know, I have more time to spend on a way than maybe, you know, normal person, average person, not normal. We don't. Somebody said, what's normal? It's a cycle on the dryer, you know. I do accept speaking assignments at meetings, conventions, away events. I'm a vision for you. Um, I rarely ever say no to speaking assignments because I was told early on, and I had a note here to remind myself to tell you, I was told two things. If I don't share it, I will wear it. And if I either carry the message or I spread the disease. Today I choose to carry the message and I choose to share it. Okay. So that's some of the things. Sponsor, I am sponsored, by the way, and I do sponsor. Um, attend a lot of meetings. Especially attend my favorite, which is a newcomer session before a regular session on Tuesday nights at Burbank. And I just, it's, I feel personally responsible to love the newcomers till they love themselves. So I spend time before the meeting and after loving the newcomers. And maybe that's a reason for longevity in abstinence. I don't know. I'm just telling you things I do. And I know there's some things I've forgotten all about, but I guess prayer and meditation is probably the heaviest. You know, step step 11 says, sought through prayer and meditation to prove, you know, sought through prayer and meditation to prove, improve our conscious contact with God. And that's where I learned how to pray, praying only for knowledge of his will and the power to carry that out. So I'm praying for God's will today, not mine. And, you know, before I go on to step two, and I better get on it pretty soon, um, I just want to tell you about abstinence because step one is putting down the food. I don't say put the fork down because I didn't use a fork a lot of the times. I just ate. Um, Putting the food down. 
step one, putting the food down. Um, if I don't put the food down and I think I can work the rest of the steps, then that's not what the big book and the 12 and 12 of AA have to say. And my experience proves I have to be abstinent to go on with the rest of the steps. There's no way out. There's no way around. Oh, remember when I came to my first meeting, I saw the word God, and I thought I don't have to come back here anymore because I already got God? Know-it-alls have a very hard time learning anything. So I left that meeting, and the following, it was on a Thursday morning at 9.30, and the following Thursday I woke up about 8 o'clock, and I said, it's Thursday, and those strange people are meeting in that basement, but I'm not going. And I got up, and I got dressed, and I said, I think they they started at 9.30. I think they started at 9.30, but, but I'm not going. And I got in my car, and the car went right to the meeting, nine minutes away. How I got there, the grace of God. Remember that grace I talk about, the grace of God? I've never missed since. I have almost 28 years. This is from a woman who said, I'll never come back here again. Um, it shows me the grace of God, what God's grace can do. And I made a note here that grace, you know, it's an unmerited gift from God. And that grace and recovery, they cannot really be explained, but they can be experienced. I can't explain God's grace. I really can't. It's a gift. My absence is a gift from God. I am not a person on my unaided will that can stay away from excess food and binge foods. and I can't do it. I cannot do it on my unaided will. I need a higher power. And God is has restored me to sanity with his grace. Today, I embrace that grace. I used to ignore it. I wasn't even aware of it. I wasn't aware that I even had it. The steps make me the person I've been called to be. I'm rooted in love, in love of myself, of others, and of God. God's love is power, almighty power. And that's why I can do all the things with the grace of my higher power who strengthens me. That's the only way I stay abstinent for 27 plus years. So maybe I answered that question. How do you stay abstinent? So came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. You know, the came to believe, that was one of the steps that I thought, it's a cinch, I got this program. Well, let me say it right here, because here now is when I'm thinking it. The difference between believing in God, which I've always believed in God, the difference in believing in God and believing that God can restore me to sanity See, that's two different things. I believe God existed from the time I was a little girl. But for God to 
do certain things like take care of me and my food. My food? Are you kidding me? I, I used to make jokes when I came into pro. What does he do? Does he slap my hand when I go to put my food in my mouth that doesn't belong? You know, like, how can God? That was my question. I kept asking that question every week. I'd say, but how does God stop me from overeating or eating binge foods? And they'd say, keep coming back, Rosemary. Keep coming back. And I'd say, okay, but, but how does he do Keep coming back. Keep coming back came to believe. That means when it doesn't say, you know, these steps were written by a bunch of alcoholics after after they got well. So it's what they did. It's not what they're going to do. They've already done it and gotten well. They're recovered. And I was told that I can call myself a recovered compulsive eat, a recovered food addict, because for today, I don't think like I used to think. I don't act the way I used to act. I don't treat food in the same way I used to treat it, okay? So came to believe means after a while, you know, slowly. Came, came to, and then came to believe. But OA does not demand, you know, belief in God, in my God, or it, it just it just has twelve suggested steps. It told me to keep an open mind. There's a variety of ways to faith. Some people use the program as their higher power. Uh, some people use whatever they want to use. But there's a place in the big book It says that after a while, um, they came to believe, they came to believe, and many even spoke of God. I think intellectuality and self-sufficiency, those are my enemies when it comes to believing there's a power greater than me that can restore me. Negative thinking, self-righteousness, defiance. I'm one of the defiant, I'm one of the defiant ones. I have to tell you, you have to know this for this reason. See, I couldn't get a right relationship with God till I got here to overeat. The 12 steps taught me how to have a relationship with a higher power. And that relationship keeps me from putting the excess food in my mouth. It keeps me from going back to my binge foods, my relationship with my higher power relationship with God. Not a special food plan. Although I have a food plan and I don't say we shouldn't have a food plan. Of course, I need a food plan. I need structure. I need structure. I need discipline. I need a corral to keep the food in. And so that's just my food plan. But see, I had food plans my whole life before OA. I just couldn't stay on them. I didn't have the power. I lacked the power. When I got a right relationship with my higher power, it wasn't hard. Something came to me recently. I want to say it now while I think of it. I've always said that abstaining every day is the most spiritual thing I do each day. And I told you I do all the prayer, meditation. I do all 
these spiritual things, but if I'm not abstinent, those other things will fly out the window. And I know, know that from the stories I hear from people who have gone away from the program. And when they come back, they tell me the first thing that happened, they stopped getting connected to God. They lost their centering. I think now I want to read you just a line that I found in one of my meditation books, and I love it. And and I think for me, this is for me, you can take it if you like it, To meditate means to live out of the center of our being, that profound center we find when we determine not to be shallow, not to be content to rest on the surface, but to live out of the depths of our being because in those depths is where I find God. So I must, I must pray and meditate to find God in order to not take that first compulsive bite. And in order to be, in order to be the person that I was called to be, that I am called to be. So, restore me to sanity. And believe me, food wasn't the only thing I was insane about. And we don't have time to go into all of it. So I'll just tell you that Step three is made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. And I love I love this because step three is like opening a locked door, okay? And willingness is the key to the lock in the door. And my dependence on God means I become independent. When I started to depend on God, I became independent of the food, of the crazy relationships. And that self-sufficiency, oh my goodness. That, you know, how'd that work out for me? Not too well. Turning our will over to a higher power. You know, I didn't use willpower appropriately. You know what step three says? Sustained and personal exertion is necessary to conform to God's will. This is the place where I can practice the willpower. Sustained and personal exertion. I got to give it my all to conform to God's will. Okay, how do I know God's will from my will? That's a question often we ask each other. Well, for me, God's will, it flows. If it's God's will, whatever it is, it flows. If it's my will, it's like hitting my head on a brick wall And my dear friends out there, the wall never moved. The brick wall never moved. And I ended up with a bloody head, hitting my head on a brick wall. Mm. Um, I want to tell you what gifts I've received because of maintaining this abstinence. Just some of the gifts. The first one, and it's probably one of my favorites, peace. If you call me up, you'll get a peace message. If you don't get me, you get a peace message. I've received serenity. I have better relationships today, especially with my children. I'm closer to God. 
I have an awareness that I wasn't aware that I needed. <gasps> little fun. All the promises in the big book have come true for me. At some time or other, they have all come true. Sometimes, 98%, when I give up my ego, it's 100%. I have a healthy, normal weight, and I've been in maintenance for over 26 and a half years. And I want to tell you, besides me and my family and my friends, who's happy about my recovery, my doctor, and I told you my primary care, loves me and loves OA and allows me to put OA event flyers in her window, in her office. The gifts I've received, knowing God, closer to God, it is, it is um, to me, it's unbelievable, the gifts I received. And I did not, I didn't have to do a lot to get these gifts. I didn't have to do a lot. It really was simple. As soon as I put down the sword, and I surrendered and I quit fighting. Uh, there's a. This is what I'd also like to tell you. Someone said, if you could share one thing about maintaining long-term abstinence to help another person to continue to work the program, what would that one thing be? Now, you know, that was very hard for me. Um, I'm a compulsive talker, writer, and I wrote a list of things. I, I don't know how I could pick just one thing. So I, I'll read some of them, and then maybe I'll let you pick out the one thing that might help you to work your program. Um, I would say to someone, don't leave till the miracle happens. Keep coming back. It works when and if I work it. And that this is a spiritual program of recovery, a higher-powered recovery. My recovery depends on my relationship, forming and keeping a strong relationship with my higher power, God. Um, I would say enlarge your spiritual life. Trust God, clean house to help others. Don't eat no matter what because this too shall pass. And um, study the big book and work the steps with an abstaining member. I guess those are some of the things I would tell a newcomer, a new person. Um, I want to tell them all. Which of the one, which one? I'm going to let you choose which one. I can't. Um, the biggest mistake though, my friends, this is important to me, so that's why I'm going to say it. And if it's important to you, I'm glad. Biggest mistake I can make is to think that because I've been abstinent for so long a time, now I can relax in working the steps or just take it a little easy now. May I remind you of the man in the big book who was sober for 25 years, retired, and was dead in four years from drinking? Okay. My addiction will never be cured. It's in my DNA. I'll never be cured. I'm wired differently. If I believe that for one second I'm cured, I will be out there eating again, and for me to eat is to die. Addiction is never cured. That's 
That's the bad news, apparently bad news. The good news, and that's why I'm here today, to tell you the good news. By relying on a power greater than myself, I can and do have a daily remission, a reprieve. And I've had that reprieve for over 27 years. I praise and give thanks to God, who is my higher power. And I give thanks to the love and support of the OA Fellowship. This power, this grace is available to all of us. I'm not anyone special. I am now, always have been, always will be just an ordinary self-willed compulsive overeater slash food addict. By my working the 12 steps of OA regularly, yes, even now, especially now after 27 plus years, God is transforming me, taking my stubbornness and changing it into perseverance, taking my pride, my big-time pride, transforming that into a modicum of humility ever so slowly, just a day at a time. I've learned that the reason I'm given this daily reprieve from food and food obsession is so I can carry the message to people out there who are still suffering and people in here who are still suffering, that where I was absolutely hopeless, I now have so much hope. Where my faith was was shaky, it's grown stronger. Yes, yes, God is doing for me. What I never dreamed, what I never dreamed, what I could do for myself that I could, I just could not do it for myself, and he's doing it for me. Before OA, I spent 56 years of my life trying to stop eating compulsively so many ways. What I didn't know was that I am completely, absolutely, irrevocably, without any doubt or reservation whatsoever, addicted to food, and only a higher power could would and did relieve me of this compulsion. Now I need to continue to go out to carry the message to those who still suffer. That's why I get well, to be of maximum service to God and my fellows. And my service shows my gratitude in action to God and to the fellowship. I protect my own recovery each time a little bit Every time I carry the message while I'm helping you, I'm helping me. There's a writer once said, those who bring sunshine into the lives of others cannot keep it from themselves. And I have had a lot of sunshine in my life these last 27 plus years. The sunlight of the spirit. The big book talks about the sunlight of the spirit and how my defects of character block that sunlight. And now I'm able to carry a message. I'm here today so very grateful to God and to every one of you. By myself, I could not have the emotional, spiritual, and physical recovery I enjoy today. It takes a village. 
in the case of a food addict like me, it takes <laughs> it takes a whole lot hard working steps and carrying the message with my heart. The message that there absolutely is recovery from compulsive overeating. It's such a simple program. But when my ego gets involved, it is not easy. The steps steps are designed to get my ego in balance by bringing me to my humility and power and love source. And that source is Almighty God. Today, I've been so privileged to share my program with you. I can't even tell you how how honored I am that you took time to listen to even some of this. And maybe, maybe some of that sunlight of the Spirit will shine for you today. And may it shine for all of us. And I just want to leave you with the loving thought. Let it shine. Let let God's light shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Thank you so much. God bless us, everyone. Thank you so much, Rosemary, for sharing your experience, strength, and hope as it relates to steps one, two, and three this morning. Thank you very much for your time and your energy. We now open the line for any questions you might have for Rosemary this morning. We have almost 200 people on the line this morning. I do want to add that uh, we will not be giving out Rosemary's contact information. Her health concerns forbid her from taking calls at this time. But if you have any questions related to the program of recovery or anything that she shared this morning, this would be your opportunity. You can press star 1 to unmute. Hi, my name is Linda, compulsive reader. Hi, Linda. Hi, I'm I'm just wondering um she was talking about sustained and personal ex- exertion. Um around abstinence. Is there any way that uh, I could hear a little more about that, what that means? Well, for me, thank you, hon. Thank you, Linda. For me, it means, remember I said, what do I do every day? And some of the things I do is prayer, meditate, I weigh my food, I attend a chapel, I sponsor, um, I go to a lot of meetings, I speak at conventions, meetings, and events. All those things, all those things, that's my... Action, you know, when we say exertion, remember there's a chapter into action in the big book. I take action, and it says in the big book, that's the place where I can exert my willpower to get it in line with God's will. You see, my problem was I only was living on my willpower. Now I'm getting mine aligned to God's will, and I do it, and especially on page 86, 87, and 88, of course, the whole big book, the first 164, tell us exactly what to do. But the morning and evening, I love page 86, 87, 88, because that really covers, I believe, the question that you're asking, Linda. And 
thank you for asking that. Thank you. Hi, uh, this is Florence in Virginia. Am I unmuted? Hi, Florence. Hi, my sister. Yes, go ahead. My sister's name is Rosemary. I always feel like this is one big family, and 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 God bless you for everything you gave us this morning, Rosemary. I I was hanging on to every word, and you said when it's God's will, it. I think you said it glows or it goes. Oh, it flows. F L O W. You know, like flows like a river. Yeah, that's my name is Florence. So there you are, Flo. Your nickname is Flo, right? <laughs> Well, it's a slurry, but I'll take the flow. <laughs> take the flow. It flows. When it's God's will, it all flows smoothly. When it's my will, it's it it's really it's like fighting a windmill, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God bless you. If if if, he, if God wants it to happen, nothing can stop it. So um Man. flows. Oh, thanks for the the big gift of your talk. Um you're very inspiring. Thank you, Florence. God bless. Okay. Bye-bye. Hi. Thank you, Hi, Florence. this is Marcy. Hi, Marcy. Hi, go ahead. Um, my question is, um, how, what would you say to someone like me who is old, 69, been in and out of OA for 40 years, knows so much and just feels it's too late for me. It's just too late. I probably got about 20 years, and why start again? It's too late. And I'll, I'll just love to hear your answer. Thanks. Oh, Marcy, have you got the right person for this? <laughs> in case you didn't do the math, okay? I came in at age almost 57. I have been in almost 28 years, okay? I am 60, um, I am 84 and a half years old, okay? And I don't think I'm old at all because I believe well, when I say I'm not old, my birth certificate says I am, but my heart says I'm not. My heart says keep carrying the message. But, Marcy, remember this, this old slogan, you can't teach an old dog new tricks? Yes. Remember that? Yes. Well, Rosemary says, yes, you can teach an old dog new tricks, providing the old dog is honest, open-minded, and willing. Thank you. You're welcome. <clears throat> this is Helen. Can I ask a question? Hi, this is Debbie. Helen, sorry, sorry, first, go ahead. Thank you. I didn't get Hi. your name. <clears throat> Hi, this is Debbie. Debbie? Hi, good morning. Um, morning. I've been uh, in OA since three years ago, and the longest abstinence I had was probably two weeks. Uh, every day I have an abstinence, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then after dinner I binge, and, and I know that I'm supposed to pray, um, and I, I'll have a couple of days of abstinence, and then I screw it up again, and I just, in the heat of the moment, I don't turn to God, I don't do the tools, I can't really think at that time. Like, my mind is just so stressed with the emotion of whatever's bothering me at the time. Or even if I'm happy, I just want the food so bad, I can't think of anything else. And, like, for the past three years, I don't have anything because of that. Um, you know, my whole life is messed up because of it. And I was just wondering, 
um, what you could advice you could give me for that how to keep the food down. Debbie, thank you, honey. You sound exactly like me before program. That that is that was me. Uh, the only thing that I can think of, and the big book carries bears this out, um, that um, abstaining. This is I don't know. Let's see how I can put it. When I abstain, I'm doing God's will. See, when I when I overeat, it's my will, obviously, and I did that for fifty six years. I know my will. But when I abstain, I am doing God's will because the God of my understanding wants me healthy, and I believe the most holy, sacred thing I can do every day is abstain from compulsive eating. So. I would look at my relationship with my higher power to see where that is because I believe my higher power wants all good for me and I know that when I abstain, I get all good things. And so I believe that that is a sacred holy thing to remain abstinent because it is the will of my higher power. My will, again, is to just eat when the compulsion strikes to eat. I think the big book says we need to um, make progress in our spiritual life. I, you didn't mention your spiritual life, and I guess it means different things to different people. I think I, uh, I think I did talk about the things that I do every day to enlarge my spiritual life, and um, I think reading the big book, reading the big book. And the OA twelve, the AA twelve and twelve. I think reading that, uh, especially the first hundred and sixty-four pages. I think if we read it with our heart and not just with our lips, I think we'll find all our answers right in the big book. And I just wish you. You'll be in my prayers, Debbie. And I just wish you peace, honey. I wish you peace. Thank you. Thank you, Debbie, for the question. And there was Helen waiting. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Uh, my name is Helen. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, thank you so much. Hi, Helen. Hi. Thank you. It was just amazing. I got on late, but um, just tremendous. Um, so I've been in OA many years. I've been abstaining many years. I'm 65 now. I was in my 30s when I first came in. And I just wonder... Um, Lately, I just feel like my body shape is changing a little bit, and uh, it's maybe because of my age. I don't know exactly, and and I just wondered if you experienced that. Um, my food basically has stayed the same, but something in me has changed, and I'm I'm just so self conscious lately of just thinking I look really fat, and um, I just wondered if you had ever dealt with that. Oh, Helen, dear, there's not one thing I haven't dealt with. <laughs> Believe me, uh, this is this is a, a body image thing, although we'd say, well, it's not a body image, it's really our body, and then that is true. Uh, yeah, uh, I think, uh, like I told you, I'm over 84 years old, and so my body's gone through changes, and I don't like certain parts of it, but I've come to accept my body the way it is, um, we have a body image workshop once a year. Our intergroup holds it, and it's the most attended workshop of the year because everyone has body image issues. And what I what I hear at, at these workshops and what has really helped me, Helen, is that 
I heard a speaker say, if I am so conscious of parts of my body that I don't like them, maybe I'm just focusing too much on me and on my body. Maybe I need to shift the focus to a more spiritual thing. I think for me, whenever I have any problem or when I have a sponsee that has a problem, I immediately shift them to gratitude. What are the things, you know, stop looking at what I don't have and look at all the things I've been given. And when I get into gratitude, there's no way I can be unhappy uh, if I, you know, certain part of my body, I think I should like a little bit of it removed from one place and put in another if I had my way of doing it, you know. But uh, I, I, I really, it's kind of like I kind of forget about it. I kind of don't always think. Once in a while I do. And when I do, I got to go back to God and say, would you please remove this from, because it's a negative thought, because it makes me unhappy and I don't want to be unhappy. So I have to ask for God to help change my thinking and go to positive. As far as changing the body, uh, I do work out a little bit. Yeah, almost 85 in January I'll be. But, yeah, I do work out a little bit and uh, to keep myself strong and help my arthritic condition. So I do work out. And I think that's helpful for the mind, but um, it's not going to necessarily change the shape of our bodies. I think our bodies just take on, and at a certain age, I think they do get certain places do get a little bit more, you know, different. But in reality, I'm so grateful that I'm not 200 pounds anymore, Helen. How about you? Yes, I, I'm here listening to everything you're saying, and and I gratitude, Helen. Gratitude, gratitude absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you for... Oh, thank you, Helen, for listening in and for calling. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Helen. Who's next? Questions? Hi, I'm a compulsive reader. Hi, my name is I heard Rose. Who else is waiting to ask a question? My name is Brandy. Okay, Randy. Let's go Rose and then Randy, and then we'll take the others. Thank you. Thank you. This is Rose. Thank you, Rose. Hi, Rose. Hi. Um, I do have a question, and um, it has to do with um, the wisdom to know the difference in working with other people, with new people. When um, I'm wondering, um, I'm not. Let me see if I can verbalize it. Um, my experience is that I'm recently recovered in the program. It's a real gift from God, and. Um, and I've been given a lot to share of after 39 years not being abstinent, being given the gift of abstinence and the um, larger gift with, along with it to realize I needed the steps and the big book to stay abstinent. And so that is what's going on. And so when new people talk to me asking how did it happen, I've been finding out through, um, again, through inventory and my own 10-step work that I talk too much, I say too much, I forget God um, as I'm speaking. Um, uh, if I were to remember, God did it for me. Um, I did become willing last year, and I did become um, out of fear of losing my life. I, I, I was given another opportunity to get the program. But that, um, what, what, how do you know the difference 
of what to say and what not to say. Um, Thank you, Rose, uh, for your question, by the way. You're talking to a compulsive talker also, by the way. <laughs> that's, why pray, that's why I pray for humility every day, every day. Okay, yeah. what I've learned is I only share my experience. I don't give opinions. I try not to. I've done the mistake of giving an opinion a few times. The reality is, Rose, no one wants my opinion. Uh, they All they can really benefit from is my experience and that's only if they want to hear it and you know go go do likewise but they don't always so then they don't whatever it is but yeah I just share my experience I can't tell anyone what to do uh, and I can often tell them to pray over it and that the answer will come there's also a 12 step they can run through the 12 steps on a particular say they have a particular problem but maybe it's their job or their love life or whatever they can run through answer every question of the 12 steps just you know put it through the test of the steps well, am I powerless over this is there a, you know and go through all the steps I often tell them to do that um, I, I sometimes I want to say see I used to say to people before program, are you crazy? You what? <laughs> I don't do that anymore, Rose. That that isn't that doesn't work very well. I don't do that. I just I refer them to uh, the big book. I ref, I give them my experience, and then sometimes they'll ask me something, and I have no experience, and I say, you know what? I don't have experience with that. Uh, but why don't you call a few long timer, other long timers? and see if they've had that experience. Because sometimes we just haven't had certain experiences. So how can I share experience, you know? So I'll have that, or I'll tell them I'll call my sponsor and then I'll get back to them, you know. So I don't know. Did I answer your question, hon? Extremely well. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rose. And now to Randy. Hi, it's it's Brandy. Brandy. But, uh, Hi, Brandy. Hi, Rosemary. Thank you so much. Um, I really, I'm still pretty new to OA. I've only been doing it maybe just a little over a month. And I'm finding some hope, but I still find myself getting frustrated because I'm, I tend to be a people pleaser. And it's it's really easy for me to put everybody else first and not God and not my best interest. So I'll do okay for a while but then it's so easy for me, like when I'm with my family, to just kind of do what they're doing or with friends do what they're doing. It's very hard for me to put those boundaries down and put myself first. So I don't know if I quite have a willingness problem or if I just need to get stronger, just keep coming back. But I tend to get frustrated because I'll stumble or mess up and, I don't know, I'll find hope when I listen, but then I get frustrated because I don't know if it's because I'm a people pleaser I just haven't learned to put God and myself, my own health first. But I need some words of wisdom, if you don't mind. And thank you for taking my call. I appreciate it. Oh, Brandy, thank you. I don't know how much wisdom I have. I have a little experience, though. And uh, what I found with people-pleasing, you know, I think it's one of the uh, requirements to be a member of a 12-step program. If you're not a people-pleaser, you don't qualify. I made that up because actually all you have to do is have the desire to stop eating compulsively. But I think there's so much of us, so many of us that have that in us, that people-pleasing thing. 
And in reality, uh, that goes along with rigorous honesty. You know, when we read how it works, it says those who don't practice rigorous honesty, their chances are less than average. And if I'm people-pleasing, I'm not, am I being honest, Brandy? I don't think so. Uh, you know, I want to tell you no, but I'm going to say yes. Well, that's not rigorous, uh. rigorously honest, okay? So, um, and also what happens, people-pleasing goes directly to a resentment, immediately to a resentment, because I don't like that I'm doing it, and it's uncomfortable, and then I get angry at myself and at them, and so uh, people pleasing, but you had a good question. You've had a month of program. Honey, you're just getting your feet wet, and you've got to be really kind and patient with yourself. In fact, that goes for all of us. But remember, a lot of things, Brandy, they come with experience. They come with time. And I think the people pleasing, the setting the boundaries, and I love you use the word. That is what it is. It's not having a boundary. I think that's uh, you've made progress right there. You know it's a boundary issue. And without boundaries, you know the horses get out of the corral, right? you got to wrap yeah. the corral around the horses, or when they get out, then, oh, boy, we can't hardly catch them. So you want to keep a boundary, and boundaries are very difficult because if I make a boundary, somebody's going to get angry at me. And I guess what I've learned is I have to be willing, I have to put principles, before personalities, remember, that's one of our um, traditions, I guess the 12 traditions, principles before personalities. And I have to let the principle be first. And I may have to suffer for it. And they might not like me. They might get angry at me. Uh, yeah. But if my life depends on it and our lives depend on our recovery and on our abstaining and, you know, our life, our spiritual life, our emotional, our physical it all depends on us being well and healthy. So if our life depends on it, we have to act in accord with the steps. And boundaries are important. We never had boundaries around food. I never did, that's for sure. And not around relationships either. So we learn boundaries, but I think that does come with practice. You know how they say practice makes progress, not perfection, Brandy, because Perfection exists only in the mind of a compulsive overeater. There is no such thing as perfection, but except with the first step. Abstaining, that one is clear, clean. That's the only step we work perfectly. The rest of the steps, we'll work on them till the day they plant the flowers over our head. That's, at least that's so for me. So I think give yourself a little time, but you're aware that something is going on here. I'd stay close to my sponsor. I trust you have an abstaining sponsor you're working with. I yes, would, I Right. I'd stay close to her and talk about everything. Discuss your heart with her. Don't keep secrets because she can't help you if you keep secrets, honey. You got that, right? Okay, yes. Okay, so little time, little progress, just... Keep going a day at a time. It, it'll it'll happen. It'll happen, honey. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you, Brandy. Who's next with a question? Star one to unmute. Susan. Susan, go ahead. Thanks so much. Good morning to everyone. Rosemary, so wonderful to hear you again today. Loved both of your talks. Um, your Thank last you. com- 
Hi, and thank you. Your last comment sparked a question uh, inside me. Um, Could you speak of, from your experience, how you distinguish between people-pleasing and doing service slash being of service to others, you know, living God's uh, spiritual principle of being of service? Thanks so much. Oh, yeah, thank you. I just had that question asked by one of my sponsees. Well, not just, but one of my sponsees, of course, had asked that question. And then she found out it was really true. Uh, Yes, we do service for others, absolutely. And we do it with an open heart and an open hand. And that helps us even more than it helps them. But when I'm people-pleasing, usually I feel a resentment about it. And when there's that distance, ease, discomfort, like a little bit of gnawing, that's a resentment because I'm doing something I don't want to do. That would become under people-pleasing, I believe. Doing service, and we do have to be careful, especially newcomers, not to take on a ton of service when they're brand new. They should take some service, doing, you know, the easy things, building up. But we all need to do service. But we have to all be careful that we don't do service beyond are um, beyond our ken, where we will start to feel resentful by all the service that we're doing. But uh, absolutely, we do have to do service. But when it feels resentful, and we have to talk about it with our sponsor, that's, that's I would. I would talk about it with my sponsor, and she usually can shed light and say, well, it sounds like people-pleasing to me, or it sounds like good service, you know. So, I don't know if I'd answered your question, Susan. I hope so. You sure did. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Susan. Who's next? Mindy? Mindy, go ahead. Good morning. Uh, Hi, Mindy. Hi, thank you so much. I just wanted to touch on uh, prayer and meditation because I do think it's the foundation, and I think that we get lost, you know, uh, in so many other things. But I'm wondering how much time is spent on that. Is it only once in the morning? Is it throughout the day? Uh, How much importance is on that? Are you asking me personally or what the big book says or what is that referred to? My personal spiritual? I would say you, you personally. Me personally? Yeah, thank Mm -hmm. you. Uh, In the morning, I uh, spend some time first on my knees, and uh, let's see, I spend time on my knees a little bit, then I uh, do some spiritual reading, and then I do 30 minutes twice a day, morning and night, of uh, Christian meditation, where I uh, totally quiet, sit quietly, and repeat a mantra, and uh, that's morning and night. And then at night, before I go to bed, I'm on my knees reviewing my day. It's like what it says in the big book, you know, page 86. That really has a lot of answers. And those are most of the things I try to do and I do. And then um, I write uh, in a gratitude journal every night before I go to sleep. After I do my prayers on my knees and I ask God for help if I've made any mistakes during the day to help me and show me, you know, how to get better, and then I write at least five, it ends up to be more like eight, nine, ten sometimes things that I'm grateful for. I keep like a gratitude journal, and I spend some time, a couple times a week in a chapel where I pray and meditate. 
So on a daily, and then during the course of the day, oh, I talk to God. I live alone, so I can talk to God. No one thinks I'm losing my brain and talking to myself, but I'm talking to God. I thank him a lot for uh, the blessings I have. I have so many blessings. Uh, I thank him a lot. I ask him for help for other people, for my children, for other people. Um, And I I pray some prayers from my own faith church. Uh, So as far as spending time, hour and hour and a half, I don't know. I suppose it ends up maybe an hour and a half to two hours if you added them all up a day maybe a couple of hours, sometimes a little less or a little more. It's hard to know exactly, but about that, does that kind of help you? Oh, it sounds beautiful. I was thinking every moment of the day. <laughs> well, it is, it's whenever I think of God, I do. Whenever I think of him, uh, I, can't, I wish I could tell you, well, I'm a saint. I just, you know, I'm on my knees 24-7. Well, I found out you can pray without always being on your knees, Although I believe, you know, on this step seven, Bill Wilson wrote, on our knees, humbly asked him to remove our sins. Yeah, so uh, I do get on my knees a lot, but uh, during the course of the day, I'll I'll just call out to God and ask for help for someone. Or Yeah, so I have a running dialogue with God, and I think that's so important. Uh, I think, Mindy, it's important because that's, Maybe that's why I have long-term abstinence. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Mindy. Thank you. Thank you, Mindy. Anyone else with a question for Rosemary? Yeah, I'd like to share Mary near Philadelphia. Yeah. I heard Mary from Philadelphia, and who else is there? Melissa. Melissa, Melissa, I heard you first with questions. Please go ahead, Melissa. Uh, yes, um, I was wondering how you would recommend finding a food plan that works for you in the long term. Oh, my. Are you a newcomer, Melissa? I am not, actually. I, uh, I'm i returning. You're returning? Did you have success when you first came to OA years ago? I did. I did long-term success. Do you have a do you have that food plan still? Uh no, I tried um another stricter food plan that uh doesn't seem to be working very well. I keep going the other way. Well, I'm not a nutritionist, so I can't even begin. I can only give you my experience, Melissa. My doctor has given me a basic food plan because I'm hypoglycemic. So my food plan works for me, but it may not work for other people. So I don't give out. If people ask me personally, you know, do you eat this or that, of course I tell them. But I don't recommend people using other people's food plans unless, they, that it, you know, they can try it if it works for them. But OA says maybe see a nutritionist and get a healthy food plan. But I always, my thought is we've all got diet sheets in the drawer in the kitchen. You know the drawer in the kitchen? Mm-hmm. Your kitchen drawer that has the collection of things. I bet it's got a diet in there, but it's got lots of diets in there. And a food plan, I think, see, I don't think it's the food plan that matters. It's spiritual relationship. It's that relationship with God that's going to keep me on the food plan. Just any healthy food plan, you know. So the food group, 
yeah, what they are, and uh, just any healthy food plan will, you know, but staying on it, that's where I need the help of God, because I want to, left to my own devices, this wouldn't be 27 years of abstinence. This would be a dead woman here from all the sugar I would be eating and all the junk. So uh, I can't help you with the food plan, but like I said, a nutritionist, or you can ask your sponsor, what, what does she recommend? Does she have a good food plan? You might want to try what she does. I don't know. That's I can't, you know, that's kind of an outside issue, you know, I can't really say. But you'll find, I think, like I said, it isn't the food plan, Melissa. It's your willingness to stay on the food plan. And that's only the grace of God that'll that'll work that way. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. And Mary, with a question, please go ahead. Thank you so much, Amiri, near Philadelphia. Thank hey, you, Mary. Mary, I love Philadelphia. Ah, I was, was there at the World Service Business uh, Convention a few years back. Do you re- were you in program at the time? Yes, I um, was probably uh, in surgery. <laughs> My oh, okay. In surgery. Yeah, I loved Philadelphia. We we went early and did a lot of uh, sightseeing. I loved it. I loved it. What's your oh. question? Uh, my, my question is, uh, well, I, actually, I started in OA in 1973 at the Graduate Hospital, which is no longer, but uh, I've had years of program, uh, years of uh, on and off abstinence. I have, uh, I only share one-fourth of <clears throat> weight and measured uh, abstinence time with all the years I've been in it, and uh, I've been beset, I would say, the past 20 years with... <clears throat> One surgery after another, about 11 of them, um, nine of them neurosurgeries. And um, the physical uh, drain that it's had on my body, here's what happens. The question is, I still am beset with this negative, negative thought process, I, um, which causes uh, depression, of course, and a lot of it. And I'm sure you'll be 